Hey friends, I'm Robert Johnson. I'm the location pastor at, Lee, at our Lewa location of Church of the Resurrection. I'm back with you for season two and the first episode of Resurrection Stories, a podcast through which we're trying to tell the stories of some of the amazing people who are on staff and a part of our congregation here. And we thank you for listening in on our first season and thank you for coming back. I think you're gonna be very pleased and uh, inspired by the stories you hear in season two. I wanna remind you that we want to share this podcast with as many people as possible. So please be sure to go to core.org forward slash podcast and get the link and then share that link with your family and your friends. And we also want to remind you that we're here every day, seven days a week. Tons of stuff are going on at Resurrection every day, and all of it is targeted to help you, to serve you, to help you and your family, to help you in your community. So we invite you to come check us out. Go to our website, core.org, see all the things that are going on, and come worship with us. Come join a small group. Come sit in on a Bible study so you can experience us in person. We love to see you. We're looking forward to having you. We are a community where non-religious and nominally religious people are becoming deeply committed Christians. And so we would love to have you over here. We're going to get started with our first conversation. It's with Dr. Rebecca Chow. Uh, she's a mental health specialist and uh, mental health care professional. And she's going to talk about her story uh, and how she chose her profession and uh, how the experience, the influence her parents ha had on her. She's also going to talk about trauma and how she sees our society in general as being a, just a society where we're all traumatized, where we've had something overwhelming happen to us too fast, too soon, for too long. And how do we begin to work ourselves out of that? So get ready for this conversation. Uh, let's go into our conversation with Dr. Chow. Dr. Chow, thank you for coming on with me today. It's a delight to have this conversation yeah. with you. Let's start here. Tell the folks a little about your background, your a little about your, your education background, mm -hmm. your training, maybe a little about your family, and yeah. then what you do here at Resurrection now. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> I know you and I had been trying to connect. We have, And yes. I think I'm excited yeah. to do this with yes. you. So, like you mentioned, I'm Dr. Rebecca Chow, and I'm originally from Costa Rica, but okay. moved here about 25 years ago to work on my master's degree in counseling. Wow. And uh, through that process, Mental health has really been my whole career. Okay. So I have done a lot of work in the nonprofit sector, but also at the university and uh, university and academic setting. Okay. And then I make I make my way all around to uh, <laughs> nonprofit again. Okay. Um, you know I love uh, working at Resurrection as the clinical director of counseling services. And the reason why I chose to be here is because I knew. Resurrection really focus on being able to meet the mental health communities mm -hmm. uh, in Kansas City. And what an amazing mm -hmm. opportunity to be able to reach a community that is usually underserved. Absolutely. So, As a matter of fact, I appreciate you saying that. One of the observations I've made, I've been on staff here for only, I'm, I'm like five months in, yeah. almost half a year now. <laughs> when I get to have half, half a year, I'm going to be big trouble. Nobody's yeah. going to be able to tell me anything. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to move on. <laughs> but one of the things I love about this church is I've literally said that my wife and I have talked and we, we, we would name social ills mm -hmm. from poverty, hunger, broken schools, broken communities, mm -hmm. divorce, grief. 
and we make a list Mm -hmm. and then we try to find something that resurrection isn't touching on and we can't find anything, Mm -hmm. including mental health. And what we are currently doing and what's planned, and we'll maybe get a chance to talk Mm -hmm. about that. But tell us more, before we get more deeper into that, I just want to take a moment and say, so uh, I ask you a fun question. Can we do that? (laughs) Yes. So as a healthcare provider, a person mm-hmm. who focuses on mental health, is there a movie, do you have a favorite movie or is there a movie that you've <laughs> recently uh, seen that you would recommend to our audience or that you would say, hey, you you have fun watching this? <laughs> you know what? I don't know if I can recommend anything that will be <laughs> amazing because the stuff that I like to watch is usually very psychological. Okay. Uh, okay. But okay. Uh, we recently watched uh, with my kids Trolls 2 and that yes. was really fun. Okay. Um, but at Actually, thinking about mental health, one of my favorite, favorite movies of all time is Inside Out. Wow. Because it's a Disney Pixar movie that really explained the process of how brain development, Mm -hmm. neuroplasticity, Mm -hmm. and feelings work in children. But I use this in presentations all the time with adults. So I guess Inside Out. I love that. But the most recent one, Trolls 2. Trolls 2. <laughs> Trolls 2. I haven't seen Troll 1 or Troll 2, oh, but I have seen Inside Out. My daughters were big. Yes. They still are big Disney fans. Mm-hmm. And so we saw that movie. That may have been the last Disney movie we all saw together yeah. at the same time. And we, we I just thought it was wonderful dealing with emotions. Yes. But you're right. It deals with neuroplasticity. Is, yeah. is that the word? Mm-hmm. And, and how the, the neural cells are what, it works. What, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> You're from, tell folks where you... So I'm from Costa Rica, but, you know, I am in a, in a very weird place because I have lived in Kansas City longer than I have lived in Costa Rica. Okay. And uh, so I had been trying to figure out how to introduce myself. So I think I have landed into introducing myself and to, like, I am Dr. Rebecca Chow, <laughs> uh, a Costa Rican from Kansas City. <laughs> and I think that encompasses everything. Uh, when I moved here, I met my husband, okay. who is originally, uh, that grew up over here in Kansas City, but is originally from Hong Kong. Okay. So that's oh, why wow. my last name is Chow. Okay. And then I have two beautiful children, okay. uh, 11-year-old 11? David, okay. who is really into sports and okay. lives life to the fullest. And I have a 17-year-old, Sophia who is uh, also very joyful and tends to see the world in very strategic ways. So I love the opportunity to be their mom. And I think that's probably one of the things that I feel the most proud about having the opportunity to raise them and to be part of their journey. I get that. I love being a a dad. Mm -hmm. I love raising daughters. It's so fun to meet other people who don't see parenting as a burden, but they love parenting. They see it as just fulfillment as well as um, a mission, a great opportunity to pour into other human beings. So I I do want to talk a little about mental health and what we do here at Resurrection. But, you know, our podcast here, we focused on telling the stories of staff and Mm -hmm. members of our faith community so that people will know some of the amazing people who work Mm -hmm. here, who serve here, who are members here. And so I want I like to take a moment for you to kind of tell us your your journey, your life your life story yeah. if you want to do it as a faith story, mm-hmm. uh, and then tell us about any particular turning point for you. What was a defining moment for you that kind of 
catapulted you in the direction that you're currently going in. Absolutely. Well, you know, I grew up in Costa Rica, and one of the things uh, that makes my faith journey and also the beginning of my professional journey is both of my parents were ordained ministers or are ordained ministers of the Nazarene Church. And something that I feel really proud about is my mom was the first female ordained minister from Central America, which I think, you know, thinking 40 or 50 years ago, how amazing that was. That's um, that's huge and amazing. Absolutely. So having seen my mom really being a trailblazer in a community where uh, it was mainly uh, male-dominated always really uh, pushed me to think outside the box. Now, growing as a, uh, uh, in the academic setting, because they both also were professors at the Nazarene University, okay. I grew up in an environment when everything was related to either um, spiritual beliefs, but also a lot of academia. So I believe, I have a lot of respect for pastors mm-hmm. and um, pastoral staff because I know how hard you guys work. I remember seeing my mom going and doing uh, pastoral work and seeing my dad teaching at the university and how people will come with such a broken heart, right? And also them knowing that spiritually there was a place where they can take them, but there was also another place. Mm -hmm. There was other training that they needed to address the needs of the community. Mm -hmm. That's where my passion for thinking Wow, I see people hurting. I see how much my parents care for them. But being a pastor was not something that I felt attracted to. I did feel really attracted to how to help people who were hurting. And I think that all, uh, you know, it started from then. Psychology was something that I was really interested on. And because my parents were um, professors at the Nazarene University, there was a lot of interaction with missionaries. And then that's how I ended up in Kansas City. Wow. I finished my bachelor's degree in psychology and decided that I wanted to continue my graduate work. And we have friends of the family here in uh, Kansas City. So that's I moved here to work uh, on my master's at UMKC. Wow. But that was the beginning okay. of what my journey will be as far as mental health. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Interesting. So any insights or any, were there any particular uh, insights that you gain about a connection between spirituality and mental health mm-hmm. that have weighed heavy for yeah. you? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I think is, is important and very special is I believe in the human uh, being as being a combination of things, right? And I feel like being able to see human beings as a physical body and then have an expert that will take care of that. Having somebody that will be working with the individual and their soul is equally important. And then having somebody that can do the mental health part of it mm-hmm. so the emotional part of it how powerful it is when you can see a human in such in a such a complex mm-hmm. uh, process and I think that was the thing that attracted me the most about resurrection because resurrection was able to see the individual we have such an amazing pastoral care staff and you guys do such an amazing uh, work admitting people and helping them through their spiritual journey, their soul searching, mm-hmm. all of that. But there is such a respect for what 
mental health counseling mm-hmm. is and mm-hmm. understanding the boundaries between one and the other. And every time that I collaborate on any of the initiative, it has been so amazing mm-hmm. because any time that we get to a point when there is a spiritual peace, I know I can call any of the pastors mm-hmm. and say, I will continue working with the mm-hmm. emotional peace of this, the mm-hmm. psychological peace. But this person needs spiritual guidance. Yeah, yeah. And the same way, vice versa. Mm-hmm. I have all of the pastoral staff saying, I have met with this person for pastoral care, but I think there is something else that they need to work on. And is this something that that your team can work on? And it's really hard to find um, a place, you know, that has such good understanding of professional boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, and to that, to yes. add to this, uh, again, I mentioned I work in nonprofit mental health nonprofit university in academia, yeah. and when this opportunity came uh, into be the clinical director, I struggle with the decision of becoming the clinical director at a church. I really thought this is going to be either the most amazing professional decision that I will ever make. Or the worst. Mm -hmm. Because, again, my career is really focused on mental health. And I am very well known in the play therapy community, in the counseling community, but I have never, you know, the spiritual community is very different. Yeah, yeah. And so far, it has been uh, an amazing opportunity. I love it. The Lord landed you in the right spot. Yes. Because I do see the danger of, bringing your giftings into a community, faith community, where they don't draw the professional boundaries. Mm -hmm. Uh, That, I mean, just so many different kinds of abuses and and perversions can happen. Mm -hmm. But you're right, resurrection draws the boundaries. When I got here, I was surprised because I thought all of my ministry, uh, I've done a lot of what we call pastoral counseling. It was just Mm -hmm. automatic that I did that when I went to a Mm -hmm. church. When I got here, it was like, no, we don't need you to necessarily do that. Yeah. We have we 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 send people through to mental health. Now, if yeah. it is a pastoral counseling issue, then we have people that have been specifically trained to do that as well. Yes. And I was like, wow, those are such clear boundaries, and I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. It, we're living in very difficult times. Uh, we've got a 2024 election coming up. There's a lot of anger and animosity in the atmosphere. One of the reasons, another reason I love resurrection is because I, this is a safe place. This is a place that feels safe for me in the midst of the madness. Mm-hmm. There's clarity about our theology, clarity about what we're called to do, and there's we're we're cultivating a culture where we learn to love and embrace people, particularly the stranger, people who are different mm-hmm. from us. So it's different. But then I worry about the culture at large because I see so much anger, mm-hmm. uh, and you know the kids are. On social media, you pull out, you go to Instagram or TikTok, and they're showing videos of people fighting on planes or yeah. fighting on the schoolyard. Have you thought deeply about in about maybe like a collective mental mm-hmm. uh, status of our society right now? Have you done any thinking about that? Absolutely. You know, it has been interesting because in my career, I have really focused on working with people who have experienced trauma, either childhood trauma or adult trauma. And, you know, every time that I talked to people, I knew that about a 30 percent of the population had experienced either childhood or adult uh, adult trauma. But after the pandemic, the reality is 100 percent of the people that I speak with have experienced traumatic pan, yeah. uh, traumatic pandemic trauma. Yeah. 
And what happens with that is anytime that a traumatic experience happens, so something that happens either too fast, too little, too soon. Wow. Say that. Person, say that. So trauma is something that a person experiences that happens too fast, too soon, for too little, for too little and too long. Wow. So what happens is when we experience a traumatic event, our brain starts functioning from I don't feel safe, right? And then God created us in a way that as soon as, as we feel unsafe, we start reacting in a way for protection. Wow. Now, what happens with the pandemic trauma is it happened for so long and it changes. Our brain chemistry changed for so long because it happened for so many years that our brain continued to function in a high anxiety environment. Wow. All of the substances that were put in us, cortisol, uh, the, the, all of the cortisol that allows us, adrenaline that allows us to react to an, uh, a traumatic event is still involved in all of that. So what happens with that is we're all what I like to call activated. Our window of tolerance for stress is very little. And that happens across all ages. So before... For example, I can sit down and have a conversation and maybe a disagreement with somebody and be okay with, you think this way, I think this way. But because of trauma, what happens is our window for tolerance of disagreement has become shorter. So when you disagree with me, I immediately go into protection mode. Wow. It's a response that we saying. were created to. That's what we're saying. So you see everybody acting from a protection or a, I am in danger mode. And that's why you see a shift in the way that people are relating everywhere. Okay. Children, adolescents, adults. And you see it clearly everywhere. Okay. Wow. Wow. That is exactly what I mean. That You just explained what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll... You you just I've been going through that. So I went before coming to Resurrection uh, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. I took I tried to take some time. The, the the pandemic, trying to keep a church alive during the pandemic had just worn, and I didn't realize. And I mm -hmm. was talking with my district superintendent, and he says, "Robert, I think we're all in trauma, and we don't even realize it." Yes. And when he said that, I started crying. Well, I knew my response to that statement that that okay that that's something's going on here. Yes. Uh, Linda and I had gone to see the movie Till about Emmett mm -hmm. Till, and I sat in the movie and, and wept like I haven't wept since I was probably a baby. Mm -hmm. So this, and so I realized that about myself. But then I, and then I, I'm still realizing because coming to Resurrection, that's why I've this intense focus on feeling safe. Yes. Wow. So safety is important. So you know, as we were talking at the beginning of the conversation. What are some things that we can do to regulate ourselves back? Because we know we're all trying to catch up. I tell people, our brain, danger, the danger that we have internalized in our brain is trying to catch up with our heart, right? Wow. Yes. And the seek for protection. So that's what's going to happen. This pandemic will really affect five generations to come. So wow. we will see not only Gen Alpha, which is the youngest generation, yes. Yes. but five generations after that will be affected by this pandemic. Wow. What is important is, is first have compassion yes. and be able to tell ourselves, it's okay that you have a smaller window of tolerance. Take a minute to breathe. 
and then remember you are safe right now. And then that will allow you to really take the next step. As people in the community, being able to understand, we were talking about boundaries, mm -hmm. and that's so important, right? Mm -hmm. Specifically for pastors, and, um, you know, this can apply to being a mm -hmm. parent or being a teacher, is being able to understand you can be a pastor and take care of the spiritual needs of someone and reach out to a mental health professional that can take care yeah. of the mental health needs yeah. and reach out to a, a physician yeah. that they can take care of the physical needs. We don't have to Do be it all. all. <laughs> and it starts with us being able to say no. Like, for example, when mm -hmm. people invite me to podcast, I'm amazing at doing this. Now, <laughs> if you had invited me, to do a, a, a sermon or a devotional, I would probably tell Pastor Robert, <laughs> I don't think I'm the person for that. Now, if you want me to come and talk about Generation Alpha and how to improve communication, I am there. Wow. But being able to, why try to do that when you guys are the experts on it? Got it. I yeah. learn so much from you when I sit down in you guys' devotionals and I go like, ah, that yes. hit my soul. Yes. So. Wow. You wow. guys feed my soul, and I help with the uh, mental health part of, of people. And I think that's the other piece that is important to this, is collaboration mm. and knowing that we're here for each other yes. is such a key to make a healthy community. Yes. Right? Wow. We need to bring you back on when yes. we get into the presidential election, do a special, <laughs> maybe with Pastor Adam, a special <laughs> podcast conversation. Mm -hmm. to just kind of what you just did with us, just kind of coach us through mental health, un understanding where trauma comes from and how it affects us, and then how do we begin to heal, heal ourselves and move away from that. It's been such a delightful conversation. Before we go, I'd like for you to just share, for people in, in the community, greater KC area who are watching this broadcast, mm -hmm. can they benefit from our mental health services here at Resurrection and how? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All of our mental health services are free to the community. Mm -hmm. We provide uh, play therapy for children under 10 and then uh, individual therapy for teens and adults and couples therapy. Wow. Uh, they can go to our website and do counsel slash counseling and then fill out a counseling inquiry. Again, all of the work that we do is by our internship program. So all of the services are provided by students who are getting their master's degree in counseling and they're very well trained and we do uh, a lot of work with them to be able to create the next generation of counselors wow. so anything that we can provide we are here to help the community and and partner with everybody awesome. dr child thank you so much this thank has been a delightful conversation so wonderful to hear your story about how your parents influence on shaping the person You've become as well as your career path, and thank you for the outstanding work you do in such an important area, the area of mental health. And we look forward to having you back. Thank, thank you so much. You.